The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Well, it's that time again. Nick Redfern has yet another book out. And this one I'm particularly interested in for reasons I'll specify in a moment. And I know Tim Swartz, our co-host, will be just as interested. That is the title being How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids... The Mysterious Technology of Ancient Superstructures. Nick, welcome back to the show. Hi, Gene. How's it going? We're doing well. Doing well. Good. Now, I was mentioning to you before we started in our pre-show discussion something about a television show you're not super familiar with called Stargate Atlantis, where the legendary city of Atlantis is on another planet in another star system and then talk about the ancient races that inhabited that city. And then we look at a book from Nick, How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids. And the big question I have, just to get started, and we've got a lot of places to go here, and that is, why are people so interested in the possibility that we had either ancient astronauts or some form of advanced technology in ancient times? Well, it's a good question, but I mean, I'm not sure if that many people are interested. I think, you know, there's the the number of people that are interested in sort of like ancient mysteries, probably kind of the, the same sort of amount as are interested in Roswell or Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Well, I mean, I can say from my figures for sales, I mean, I can tell you that um, <laughs> most um, companies, you know, that sell these kind of books, including mine, there isn't really a gigantic market. So actually, it, it's quite a small one, apart from things like ancient aliens. Well, ancient aliens would certainly be related to what you're writing about here, because obviously that's one possible theory. It's funny you should say that, because the part of the book which is titled A Case for Extraterrestrials in the Past, I mean, that only runs to eight or nine pages, and I put down the rest to probably an ancient human civilization. So therefore there was an Atlantis, maybe? Well, I think, you know, when people say or use the word you know, Atlantis, I think what it comes down to is, is, is that, that Atlantis possibly could be kind of like a generic phrase, if you like, what a lot of it comes down to, that maybe that there were, you know, multiple ancient civilizations over the planet thousands of years ago, 
you know, I mean, you have all these different names and exotic places that supposedly we were around all those thousands or those millennia ago or whatever, you know. But in saying that, that doesn't mean there was not these ancient civilizations. I honestly think that that situation did happen. But, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of like, you know, the final stages of Planet of the Apes, you know, with uh, Charlton Heston, you know. You've got this civilization which got destroyed and then, you know, the apes take over and there's these vague talks about, you know, the, um, you know, keeping away from this ancient civilization, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there could be, maybe there was something called Atlantis, but I would be surprised if it, that was what it was called, really, what I do think is there probably were a lot of ancient civilizations who had acquired certain technologies, and maybe down the over the years, you know, they've they've taken on like a mythological kind of angle simply because of of the the time of age, you know. But what pray tell could have happened to them? Well, they could have have done something that we might be doing round the corner with all these, you know, these crazy people now who think they can actually win a war with a nuclear weapon, which is ridiculous. You know, I never thought I would actually see in my life that government agencies are on all sides, you know, talking about nukes and things like that in, in that sense, and particularly some particularly crazy, insane leaders... You know, when you've got people like that who think they can get away, all they're going to do is flatten the planet in like 30 minutes or something. So, you know, when you ask that question to me, I mean, I could see something mirroring that situation. After a nuclear war in in our world, there'd probably be a lot more visible material to be seen, you know, for the next 50, 200 years, there'll be all this ruin and rubble everywhere and, um, you know, what was left. But um, way back then, I think these civilizations, from what you can read from it, at least, is that, you know, they're in in sort of isolated areas, um, islands, that kind of thing, what, you know, something like Atlantis. But, I mean, in our world, though, you know, it's a worldwide planet you know so so we would see it more visibly but it wouldn't help us you know or radiated and whatever so if they had advanced technology thousands of years ago wouldn't the different countries or cities communicate with one another or would have a method i can't think we'd be the only ones smart enough to have radio yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the the big question, of course. Yeah, you're right. Is you know, where would you, where would you find, you know, this kind of technology? Well, some of the the technology I talk about in the book um, to try and achieve anti gravity is actually I demonstrated in the in the book as as being very kind of simple in many ways. Um, you know, I actually talk about, because I talk about the, um, something called um, what we call, well, well basically, um, anti-gravity, um, anything along those lines, you know. And um, the more you look into this, you, what you find 
is that at least some of this technology um, is achieved, or was achieved, I should say, um, not by gigantic machines, but actually by the, uh, the form of sound. And that might say strange, but um, there's been a lot of research um, in the last 10, 15 years um, of scientists and researching um, to see if it's possible to, um, to move things via sound. And, um, and some, there has been some um, success in this field. Um, and so in many respects, I think this is the reason why we don't find all this amazing technology, you know, like the equivalent of a 747 under the pyramids. That's the reason why, because the, the technology needed isn't actually that sort of directly sensational. You know, it's, um, it's just something that can be achieved and in a very simple way if you start looking into it. The more that I've looked into this um, is the, the phenomenon itself to, um, to move and raise those gigantic stones. Um, the technology, as far as I can tell at least, is not that big, not that massive, not that incredible. And that's why we don't actually... Um, see much um, of the leftover technology because there re really wasn't that much to start with and this revolves around what's called acoustic levitation ah, I can think about that just saying something and something levitates is that it? By the way, Nick will stick with us for this week's After the Powercast podcast. That's available strictly for subscribers to the Powercast Plus. Go to thepowercast.plus for more info. We'll learn more about acoustic levitation and more with Nick and Gene and Tim. You're in the Powercast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. 
Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm about to give you a life-changing URL that if you will simply visit it and give these tax consultants a call, it will change your life. Whether you're a blue-collar worker or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a millionaire, almost no one out there is taking advantage of legal, lawful tax loopholes. Go to GCNTaxCut.com. It takes you right to American Tax Solutions, and they will give you an amazing preview of what they can do for you. GCNTaxCut.com. GCNTaxCut.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural... You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Acoustic levitation. Now, we were saying here that the ancients, whoever they might be, developed this technology, but we haven't quite perfected it yet. So in that sense, they were ahead of us. Yeah, they were ahead of us. But I think when people talk about, you know, raising multi-tons of rock and stone, like 40, 50 feet in the air, I think they're in their mind. And this this is totally understandable. You can see why people would believe or conclude that they were using technology of massive machines, you know, the size of like a 747 or whatever. But imagine that if it wasn't, what if all you have to do is use a form of sound and direct it? Um, To give you a, a little example, a quote 
from two other people who looked into this, Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman. And this really puts this into, into how she says it, um, Marie, and I'll tell you what it says. The acoustic levitation is, and quote, two opposing f sound frequencies with interfering sound waves, thus creating a resonant zone that allows the levitation to occur. Now, although we haven't been able to do anything the size of, you know, moving the Sphinx or, or anything like that, obviously, you know, that will be all around the world. But scientists now have been able to successfully basically put the, the um, acoustic levitation phenomenon in place and using the words, just like Marie said, it basically the sound you can rise something kind of the uh, akin to when you have um, like a magnet pushing against another magnet but you could also hold something like a small stone within between the two when you think about it it's actually quite simple but that is what acoustic levitation is and um, and as i point out in the book even the military starting to look into this now and to see if they can find ways to raise massive objects, um, you know, that, um, in, the, in the way that maybe that was done way back, you know, two, three, four thousand years ago. But again, you know, if it is real, and I think it is, um, for me at least, I think that's the most plausible. I can't say this is the answer, but I think it's the most plausible answer. I seem to remember that uh, somebody, and his name escapes me right now, wrote the of a similar technique that uh, they observed in Tibet in the, uh, I think it was the early 19th century, where they witnessed it was a group that used, I think it was like a combination of horns and people singing to levitate uh, uh, mm -hmm. giant, giant stones. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's um, totally uh, right. Um, there's, there's no doubt that there are stories going back to sort of the 1800s and people talking about seeing um, in Tibet and um, people having the ability to essentially sort of raise small things into the sky. The, the, what the stories in Tibet, a lot of them are actually talking about small in about uh, small stones and rocks and levitating them perhaps 30, 40 feet in the air and also people sort of be able to guide themselves a little bit sort of slowly and carefully to about 20 feet and then down again. Uh, but yeah, Tibet, next to sort of the Middle East, you know, and South America, the main places where you can hear these stories uh, coming out of Tibet, um, that, that they, they're coming out, out of Tibet. And so for that reason, you know, I think that um, somewhere, again, someone at some point in our past um, had data um, as to how achieve this. And again, the, the reason why we haven't, you know, we've all gone looking or a lot of people have gone looking for this and that. And the reason they can't find it because the technology is so simple. You know, it, it's just sound, uh, directed sound. And I think 
that kind of ties in, as I see it, you know, like the, the walls of Jericho. I don't believe, you know, trumpets were really, literally... Uh, brought down, you know, <laughs> that would be, that's crazy. But if you think about it, a trumpet gives off sound. And I think something like that over the centuries, you know, the stories and the the tale, um, you know, were altered and changed, you know, just because of the, the passage of time. But again, you know, there's a lot of stories like this where you can find ancient stories of stone being moved by noise. Um, and you put that together, and then I think that uh, brings it, if you like, more and more plausible. One of the things that bothers me about figuring out what happened a couple of thousand years ago is the fact that we can't agree what happened 10 minutes ago. If you listen to the news, we can't agree what happened 10 minutes ago. Even things that should be fairly simple and basic. How can we figure out what happened a couple of thousand years ago? And that story has been spun so many ways, this way and that way. We'll never know the truth, or is there a way to find the truth? No, we, we may well not. You're right, because like I said, if, if there is no technology... Uh, or there isn't, or if there isn't a great deal of technology because we're just using sound, then um, that will make it very, very difficult for us to find anything. You know, we're not talking about, you know, like some lumbering machine along the beach, you know, <laughs> of, um, of, of one piece of world or another part of the world, you know. Um, we won't be able to do that because we, we don't, there was nothing there to start with like that. And um, and that's one of the things I point out in the book. You know, it's like um, you can't just go up and look up and dig down for this ancient technology because in many respects it wasn't technology. Well, the thing that you also mentioned is individuals having the ability to levitate stones. And I wonder here if there could be a collective ability. So if a thousand people with this ability can all work on the same stone. So maybe I can't do it. I have no abilities for any reason, as most people know. But maybe one person can't do it, but the collective power of a thousand could. Is that a possibility? Well, yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, if you look at it, you know, from the, for me at least, the, you know, the, the, the the, the, the angles that people have put forward, you know, to try and figure out how this could be done. I mean, I mean, some of them are just, for me at least, um, it's impossible to sort of, you know, um, really kind of deal with this in a normal fashion. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's have that example in our next segment. The book is How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids. With Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
The stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text MONEY to 813-813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word DEMO, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text MONEY to 813-813. USA Radio News. I'm Tony Marusa reporting. A train crossed from North Korea into Russia on Friday, two days after the United States said it had information indicating Pyongyang is covertly supplying Russia with artillery shells for its war in Ukraine, according to a Washington think tank. China will persevere with its dynamic clearing approach to COVID-19 cases as soon as they emerge, health officials said on Saturday, adding that measures must be implemented more precisely and meet the needs of vulnerable people. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, Need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. 
Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I am sounding very dramatic here. Nick Redfern, please, please give us, give us that example you referred to in our previous segment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, let me give you just one. I mean, this is a perfect one. Out in the Becker Valley in the Middle East at Baalbek. Now, some of the stones at Baalbek are just um, regular, nor- um, normal stones that have been clearly moved around here and there. No doubt about that, because there are buildings created in that area. But, I mean, one of the stones, or I should say the heaviest one there, weighs in at 1,650 tonnes. Now, we know that those stones were moved in the desert. Now... I don't really understand or know or figure out how you can move a stone that weighs in at 1,650 tonnes. And the other three that are of a similar shape, um, when you look at them, in fact, you can see some pictures, uh, old pictures, where you can see what looks like a little ant sitting on a one of the stones, and it's actually a human. <laughs> and I, we've got those in the book these pictures of these gigantic stones. I think it's page, or at least in my book, page 34. The pages might have changed in now between uh, between when the book was uh, before going to printing and after. But anyway, when you're talking about a, a stone, one stone that weighs more than 1,650 tonnes, and you've got to move it on sand... I cannot find uh, a normal, straightforward way to solve that at all. Yeah, if if you would go and ask, you know, an, uh, an Egyptologist, you know, how these stones were moved, you know, they'll come, you know, well, you know, there was wooden rollers, and you know, they'd get the sand, you know, wet with oil, and then everybody would push and push, and uh, but if you would ask a modern engineer, they would say, like, I have no idea. You know, I mean, we we don't have the technology now to do that. You know. No, we don't. We don't. No. What's the average car weigh? About one ton, something like that. Is it? A compact car is close to three thousand pounds. A mid-sized car could be up to thirty-six hundred pounds. One of these electric cars, even though they might be small because of the weight of the battery, they could be two tons or more. Mm. Yeah. Well, you well you kind of add that together. You know, we figure out, you know, all those cars, what they weigh, and wait till you get to the figure of 1650 tons, you know, 1650 tons. Imagine the, you know, the sheer number of cars would have to be put together, you know, just to see them all, you know, when you sort of weigh it, no different, (laughs) you know, um, just to weigh it, you know, and see what it would look like, you know, uh, how many cars would you have to use, you know, and and those, you know, you you can't even move them. I mean, it would help if there was wheels and things like that, but, but we know that they were moved, but we don't know how they were moved so so the Baalbek stones really are very much sort of like um, a mystery not the fact that they're there it's just that 
how they were moved. I mean, you know, somebody said to me, oh, well, if you put rollers under there, well, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, but they, people just say things like that. But if you think about it, well, first they've got to, you know, build all the rollers. Where are we going to get them from? Where are we going to carry them to? And then how have we got to get the rollers under the stone itself? You know, 15 feet down, 20 feet down, who knows? And then you've got to try and start rolling them. It's, I mean, it's just crazy. Big question I have then is what is mainstream science saying about all this? Obviously, they want to say that there were practical explanations based on the existing civilizations of that time. Oh, well, um, well, today's science is sort of embracing uh, acoustic levitation. I've got a lot of um, data in the book about how acoustic levitation can work. The problem is that um, the average scientist doesn't take much, much about it, but simply because the ability that we have to do this uh, really, and, and I'm not exaggerating here, we can just about pick up a coin um, about, you know, just, just like a nickel. That's about what we can, we can raise into the air by using acoustic levitation. And, of course, that's all we can do. Nobody really is, is interested because it's, because it's not interesting at that size, at least. But when it gets to the point where, you know, you've got something like the size of one of the Baalbek stones and it's floating five feet off the ground, everybody would listen to that. So, uh, you know, it's like the bigger the better and we'll, and we'll listen, you know. That's what it comes down to, really. Well, and probably the you know the, the the modern techniques of acoustic levitation, if they weren't in sealed containers, would break your eardrums. But uh, so it, you know, it seems like the the modern way is kind of uh, just trying to force the issue. When if there was a technique back in ancient times. I don't know, it's kinder, gentler. <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, uh, the, the comparison with how they're attempting to do acoustic levitation now yeah. with, you know, obviously the way that it was done in the past because i mean you know if you had a desert full of of workers moving this stuff around you you probably couldn't have a technique that would blow everybody's eardrums out well well it's not so much the the sound it's basically um the the direction of the sound and mm -hmm. centralizing it that kind of thing um but but then again that's that's a, a theory you know, I mean, with this book, a lot of people, um, well, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but some people have said, you know, well, why aren't you being actual, you know, be 100% sure on what you're saying? I'm saying, and I've told people, well, the reason is because I don't have the answer because all of these mysteries and these massive stones moved around. That was like thousands of years ago. So there's no way you can have a viable 100% sure um, 
and answer for the question. And um, but people don't like that. People want uh, to be satisfied by a one hundred percent perfect answer for for the this enigma or that enigma. But you cannot do that with this if. You know, if, like I said earlier, that, um, you know, there really isn't much technology out there to be found because it was largely driven by sound. Um, And then, you know, when you think about that as well, um, you know, you just cannot get um, hard facts. All you can do is put out your your best um, scenario. And I think... What I've come up with, with acoustic levitation, is probably the best angle as to how we could do that, uh, because we know it can be done now, but to only using stones which are extremely small. I I almost said massively small, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's basically, that's what I'm saying, that... um, there's a there's an enigma here that we have not broke yet, but I think that's the best one we can come up with, unless the you know the Egyptians or whoever had a really novel scenario way of doing this. More to come with Nick and Gene and Tim. You're in the Pericast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. 
Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we're assuming, Nick Redfern, that the Egyptians had this technology. I thought we were considering some ancient city or country or civilization that is no longer there. Yeah, um, you know, you're right. I mean, there's a there's a story like this that comes out of Egypt, where the the people who supposedly um, built the uh, the pyramids they had these uh, metal rods and they would um, bang the side of the stone and they would they would raise just slightly up into the into the sky now we're not talking about you know through the clouds and all that business what we're talking about is something along the lines of just raising something maybe a couple of feet and pushing it all along now i don't know for sure that you know that was a legend or a true story but that story was around centuries ago about these magical holes and hitting the stones and making them move. Now, that, in one sense, is levitation, you know. And, you know, when you look at that as well, and you put that together with, say, for example, the, the Baalbek stones, again, you all around the world, you can find these stories. I mean, if you look at, for example, Stonehenge, I mean, just about everybody you know, can sort of see, look at a photograph of Stonehenge and know exactly what it is, just like with the with the pyramids. Now, 
the stones themselves, well, this is an important story when it comes to Stonehenge. Now, where um, Stonehenge stands is in the English county of Wiltshire. Now, what a lot of people don't know, you know, the, well, what, what I'll say first is that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, if you look at Stonehenge, that really isn't massively, you know, huge. And, and that's right, you know, I mean, the Stonehenge stones only about sort of 20, 25 feet high. But that would still be, you know, a big feat to do, you know, because some of these stones are like 25 to 30 tonnes. But they're just standing there um, in the county of, of Wiltshire in England. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that the stones made... Um, to create Stonehenge, many of those stones didn't start in Wiltshire. They were actually taken from the uh, Priscilla Mountains in Wales, um, which is roughly 240 miles away. And what this means is about 60% of the stones um, that built Stonehenge um, they were all taken from the Priscilla Mountains and they had to go through the mountains, you know, over the mountains, no roads, you know. And then they had to be hauled back to England uh, for 240 miles. And, and again, to me, that's, you know, there's, there's no easy way to say, you know, how do you get sort of 20... 25-ton stones taken from mountains, huge mountains, not like little hills. I'm talking about mountains and over the mountains and down. And they're all the, uh, 240 miles across um, back to Wiltshire. I don't see how that can be done either. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you just got a few stones, but I mean taken on top of a mountain you think a mountain in the united states and you've got to carry those 25 tons for four, 240 miles it's um, that again comes up with like a, an, an enigma you know how did they do that and i know and i would actually say you know that um without the priscilla mountains angle of all this i would say well yeah that would be feasible without any sort of paranormal aspect or super science or whatever. But when you've got to move stones of that massive weight and size over mountains, you know, where there's no roads or anything like that, it's just rugged old mountains, that to me is just not doable. And you're talking about... A Stone Age people who, as far as we know, didn't uh, hadn't developed the wheel yet. Well, they may have done, but I mean, you know, when you're talking, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I mean, one of the things I talk about in the book is that, um, you know, that I, I don't sort of relate this to everything. We, you know, sort of like a super science paranormal type angle or whatever. What I talk about is that, you know, there are multiple different ways we're probably involved. Um, you know, one of them may have been acoustic levitation or something um, to a degree similar. But, you know, but they could also, and I'm sure they did, use um, everyday things, maybe like the wheel, 
you know that kind of thing and and more you know types and and ways of doing this um you know the the better i don't think it has to be just be um acoustic levitation i think it can be elect um acoustic levitation alongside the wheel as well i mean that that would be perfect that would be even better well i think what uh, a lot of people don't consider with say like you know the pyramids and and uh, uh, a lot of these ancient megastructures in south america and stonehenge is that they weren't built because they were it was hard to build them they were built because it was easy well it depends which way you look at it i mean some stones i mean i don't know if a lot of people may not know but uh, within the uk there are there's more than a hundred um, stone circles in the UK. Yeah, when you were just said about you know make, uh, making this easier to do, well, some things like Stonehenge, you know, with enough people, um, uh, you know, I'm quite open to to you know things to be moved massively, you know, with the right tools, if you like, um, but. When we look further into it, I don't think you can do this with these bigger um, situations. And, you know, as we also mentioned, you know, this this whole angle also of, you know, when you've got these stones, what's been spoke about being raised into the air um, in ancient... Um, text and so on in egypt um where they would knock them with these mysterious um poles um you know it, it does make me think um which i do sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and um and um but that that kind of thing when you can go back into the into the past you know with these stories of these metal rods making the stones rise you know, or you've got something like, um, you know, trumpets um, being used um, to bring down walls when obviously, you know, they wouldn't be able to do that. That's just a literal um, legend, but it equates with, with sound. So um, I think if you put the pieces together, you can make a case. The problem is, is that over the centuries or the decades, you know, people have sort of looked at all this in a very staggered um, way where you've got, you know, people all around the world looking at this and looking at that. And, um, and it's not all being put together. And I think that's, um, that's what we need. I mean, I mean, another example, like Easter Island, you know, I mean, um, um, the, the island itself, I mean, Easter Island, I mean, that's isolated, you know, it's situated out in the, uh, the uh, South Pacific Ocean, more than 2,000 miles from Chile, and about 2,000 miles uh, from Tahid. And, you know, for its, for its sound, it, it amounts to slightly more than 60 square miles. And that's it. That's it. And yet, somehow, they managed to get all these gigantic stones and and even went to the effort of doing it you know 
But again, you've got that as, uh, again, the, all of the stones at Easter Island are, are multi-toned ones. And um, because if you actually look at the stones themselves, um, they don't just stand there on the grass. They're not sort of just stood there, you know, with something holding them up. They actually go down a long way into the ground to keep them in place. You know what yeah. will keep in place this show? And we've got lots more to talk about when it comes to Nick Redfern's book, How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids, The Mysterious Technology of Ancient Superstructures. With Nick and Gene and Tim, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, Easter Island. Now, these big stones depict beings that are not human. What are they? Well, yeah, and that's a good point. I mean... What we've got with the with the uh, the stones on Easter Island, they don't sort of show pictures of us. I mean, they don't look anything like us. They've got these sort of very pointed chins, these deep cheekbones, and nothing like us at all. And uh, it makes you wonder, well, was this sort of, 
you know, sort of doing this as a, as a homage to their gods or or not not even gods. You know, maybe they knew them ex- what they exactly were. Maybe they were just another civilization that didn't look like us, but was from here. I'm speculating here, but I mean, that's a, a possibility, you know, just because something, a mysterious civilization comes to this little island in the middle of nowhere, Easter Island, it doesn't mean they have to be extraterrestrials. You know, I think that's sort of been ingrained into us to say, well, that's the answer, but it, it doesn't have to be. But But what I would say, what it boils down to is that... For some reason, the people who lived on Easter Island and their descendants now, um, what it basically means is that um, we have these stones which have no real bearing on us. And it makes you wonder why would they go to all that uh, work to do that when there seems to be no connection now, then, of course, you've got the other scenario of, well, maybe they weren't even built by the people of Easter Island now. You know, maybe it was from who knows how long ago, which we just don't really know. All right. If there was an advanced civilization in Atlantis, Lemuria, Mu, whatever, what might have happened to it? And how come there isn't any evidence of any of them? You mean that they were around and that they're not now, you mean? Exactly, that these oh, long-gone well, civilizations that developed some kind of technologies that we may or may not have perfected yet. Well, one way or another, I think it comes down to just one thing, that the human race is the most violent creature on the planet, and it doesn't surprise me, it would never surprise me, you know, that, that we wouldn't destroy uh, ourselves, you know, 10, 15,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. And maybe there was an Atlantis or a Mu, you know, whichever one you want to go with. And, and again, it would not surprise me if those civilizations did exist. I'm sure, you know, they probably did, whether the names were... Um, the correct, I don't know, but um, over centuries. But, I mean, what do we do as a, as a civilization? We kill at everything. We blunder around. You know, we destroy the atmosphere. We kill animals. You know, we make things extinct. Ba- basically, we're just a bunch of crap, really. I mean, they are. We are, I should say. And I, I think, you know, that's... That's it. That's, that's sort of ingrained in us, and it doesn't matter if it was, you know, 1945 with the Second World War and the atomic bomb, or we're talking about, you know, maybe some ancient flood, you know, something like that, and achieved by acoustic levitation. What it comes down to is that everything we do, we screw up because we are screw ups. That's what we. That's all we are, really. Okay, so if we are destroyed in a nuclear conflict, how long will it take for all or most remnants of our civilization to essentially vanish for a future generation of survivors of humanity to start developing all over again? Oh, I think... 
think it would take a long, long time because, you know, where we are now, we're talking about ancient civilizations in isolated areas. You've got Stonehenge in one area, Easter Island in another area, the pyramids. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, these buildings are huge, but they, are, they don't really take up um, much time and space, really. So, in other words, I mean, if you, if you think of it about like that, yes, the, the pyramids are big, they're huge, the ones at Baalbek are, but between Baalbek and Ed Egypt, you know, there's a massive space. So I think that if there were civilizations in the distant past, now, they may well have known about the other civilizations uh, and probably did if they if they were all able to um, create acoustic levitation, then I'm sure there must have been some sort of connection, you know, and, um, and, and conversation. But the planet, it, that doesn't dip, uh, mean that back then that the, the planet would be filled with people and filled with people, you know, raising the stones. I think it, that would be a very isolated thing. And so, to get back to the, the crux of, your, of what you said, um, no, I don't think in the past it, would, it wouldn't take long for uh, the ancient civilizations to be forgotten because they're not that big. But today, you know, the entire planet is infested by us and buildings all over the place, everywhere. So today, it would take a huge amount of time, I think, to to prove that there was a really deep, massive, incredible series of civilizations all around the planet. But we would find out eventually uh, when our survivors, perhaps four or five centuries after, you know, a nuclear war and everybody starting to start, uh, you know, a little bit at least, um, you know, people are sort of becoming unradiated and... Um, and things are slowly beginning again. Um, and we would see all these, you know, these old buildings, which are ours. But again, um, it would take it a long time, but it would not take hardly any time in the past. So. Let's go back to the past then. You said early in the interview that you only spend a small amount of this book which is entitled How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids, the Mysterious Technology of Ancient Superstructures, that you only spend a small amount of space covering the possibility of ancient astronauts. So we're suggesting then that if ET is around, they didn't develop these technologies or bring them to us. Maybe they weren't even here. What do you think? I mean, for me, I, the reason why I think it's more likely that the creatures or the entities who built all these structures, you know, um, my, my view is that, you know, why should they be extraterrestrial? I mean, they clearly all live, you know, the Egyptians lived on the planet, our planet, you know, the people on Easter Island who... You know, well, that's on Earth. Um, Baalbek, that's not on the moon. You know, that's um, in the on, on the planet as well. So it would make far more sense that we would be dealing, for me at least, I think 
what we're seeing are civilizations that at some point lived on our planet and maybe they went somewhere else that's a possibility but um but for the most part i mean it makes more sense that they lived on our planet and were from our planet because all the stories are coming from our planet all right we can go into more of this in the next segment we have nick redfern author of many 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 books including how anti-gravity built the pyramids and we have a lot more to talk about, possibly on After the Paracast, too, with Gene and Tim and Nick. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word MONEY to 813813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text MONEY to 813813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word DEMO, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text MONEY to 813813. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs that can cause Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mice searching for sources of food can spread bacteria and disease. 
Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can transmit illnesses like West Nile virus and Zika virus. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home and can leave behind allergens that trigger asthma attacks. Stinging insects attack in defense of their nests and send more than half a million people to the emergency room every year. Household pests are a threat to our health. Learn what you can do to protect your family at pestworld.org. GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Cancel culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're back with Nick talking about what happened way back when, suggesting that we didn't need the actions or the interactions with et we could do all this stuff ourselves what about the theories that we are descended from extraterrestrials in the first place well it's entirely feasible yeah i mean um you hear about things like the anunnaki which for me a little bit is although i've written about it i mean the time has come i think where so many people have sort of said so much about it you know about the anunnaki and there's been, you know, it goes even way by uh, past, you know, Sitchin, Zacharias uh, Sitchin. And I think really, you know, it's been gone too far, really, I would say. I mean, if they're extraterrestrials, they don't have to be from this elusive missing planet, as um, Sitchin said. I mean, they could have come to our planet and landed there um, and put a, you know... a some kind of situation there, you know, a civilization. I mean, who knows? But then again, I mean, maybe it was humans and extraterrestrials. But again, I mean, it makes for good TV or, you know, speaking about these things. But, you know, actually having hard evidence, we don't have it. I think the best I can say is that at some point in the distant past... There were people who lived on our planet who could achieve things that we cannot do now. That might seem a little bit bland, but that is where I think it comes to. That's the best we can do and the best we can say. That somebody, you know, it's, it's like goes, things are going around, you know, in, in a mirror image. Instead of, you know, the further ahead, our technology should be getting better. But if you look... The further you go back in civilization, it gets harder for us to see how this was achieved, but not for them. You know, it's like a back-to-front thing. So again, um, I don't dispute at all the civilization, you know, of extraterrestrials coming here, that kind of thing. And I don't dispute the possibility 
of an ancient civilization that was never left this planet ever, you know. But then again, you know, you look at a lot of some of these weird anomalies on the surface of Mars, you know, some of these pictures. Um, I don't um, dispute a lot of them. You know, I mean, some of them, yes, you could put it in the category of seeing, you know, next door's dog's face in the cloud, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But there is also the angle, if you look at some of those pictures coming in from back from Mars, they do look pretty intriguing. So, so maybe these stories about, you know, our planet and Mars and the moon and some, some kind of interconnections... I wouldn't fall down, you know, with a heart attack. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't amaze me. I'd be more like, um, well, I thought it might be something like that after all, you know. <laughs> you look at so many of these ancient uh, uh, civilizations and so many of them who went big <laughs> with with building these structures it makes you wonder if there there wasn't some kind of even though a lot of these uh, uh, societies were separated by by you know centuries, they still accomplished the same kind of megastructures. So you know there there must be something going on you know some kind of either communication or this this inbuilt desire for people to go big like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think to one degree at least, I mean, if you if you go back, say, four or five thousand years, you know, it's entirely possible, I think, that, um, you know, people just didn't think the way we thought, you know, and I think that comes down to a lot of things as well. Um, you know, they just because, you know, they look like us, they've got their own... I think when you look at this issue of, you know, ancient civilizations, um, one of the things that's important is that their mindsets, you know, their angles, how they talk, you know, their lives, um, I think it's possible, you know, that they're very, very different to us in many respects. And, um, and I think... That may be one of the reasons why, because, you know, the, why they uh, created these massive structures. You know, I mean, that's, that's one of the intriguing things. The, the effort that has been taken, on whether it's Baalbek, Stonehenge, South America, Middle America, Easter Island, so much incredible effort went into that. And yet, st still, even now, we still don't really have those answers. And, um, and so I think there's a numerous clues that we aren't seeing. And, um, and I think that's exactly the same with something like acoustic levitation. We know something. We try and tweak it a bit. And, and we're still not really getting there. But we've got aspects of a mystery and the more of the aspect that the mystery is looked into then hopefully you know we'll be able to go to you know a further um extent i mean there's a, a classic example um which uh, goes back um actually not too 
long ago at all, um, which came from a guy by, uh, with the name of Edward Leeds Skolnin. And um, now, I don't know if you know him or not, or, or the story of him. Let me tell you this. We'll have to break in a moment, but I'll bring this up. Okay. This particular right. guy was written about by my old friend Jim Mosley in one of his publications oh, yeah. years and years ago. We had a look at it. And it is a fascinating story, especially when you're following all these advanced, apparently evidence of advanced civilizations building these structures that we'd have difficulty doing. So I'd like you to start with that, and then we'll pick up on the next segment who this guy was. One of the things that I think is important, and I talk about this in the book, is um, how we can today... Um, actually achieve something that um, people like the pyramids, you know, how they were put together, um, how this was all done, um, it was actually achieved um, only a few decades ago. And um, a lot of people may know this story. A lot of people may not know this story. But it uh, revolves around a guy named Edward Leeds Scalnin. And he was someone who was fascinated um, by the the issue of how the Egyptians were able to um, to move these massive stones, um, like um, the Baalbek stones, uh, the um, Egypt stones, and so on. We'll find out how he did what he did with Nick, Gene, and Tim. You're in the podcast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News. I'm Tony Marusa reporting. A push in the U.S. Congress to make daylight savings time permanent, which was unanimously passed by the Senate earlier this year, has stalled in the House, with a key lawmaker telling Reuters they've been unable to reach consensus. Residents of the besieged eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut are living in dire conditions, with civilians killed and wounded daily, the deputy mayor said on Saturday, as fighting between Russian troops and Ukraine's forces rages around the city. Bakhmut has been an important target for Russia's military in its slow advance through Donetsk region, one of the territories the Kremlin claims to have annexed 
after what Kiev and the West say were sham referendums back in September. Kiev's military says the area is the site of some of the heaviest fighting with Russian forces, and Deputy Mayor Alexander Marchenko told Reuters that Russia's troops were trying to storm the city from several directions. This is USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You would see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. Here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCN Tax Cut. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Okay, so someone fascinated with those ancient structures... I guess he tried to roll his own, right, Nick? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I mean, he was a child of of, uh, Latvia, a country on the Baltic Sea, and it was sandwiched between uh, Lithuania and Estonia. And um, eventually he moved to the United States and settled in Florida. Of course, that's when he um, began his work at what became known as Coral Castle. Now, anybody can go to Coral Castle right now and see some of these gigantic and multi-ton stones that Ed created. One of the things that he did was that late at night he would create some of these um, massive stones, multi-ton, and then the next morning, you know, there'll be another one, and nobody knew where it came from. And, um, and in one of his statements to somebody who said to him, well, how did you do this? How do you do this? How, how do you manage to move these massive stones? And he used two words, and that he said, Egypt and magnet. Now, that's a little bit kind of, shall we say, 
bit isolated and a little bit kind of, hmm, what does that mean? But, again, it demonstrates a possibility of a strange science that allowed, again, to alter the stones. And one of the things he also said, that he found a way to make the stones um, lighter. And that, unfortunately, is a little bit of sort of like a grey area, the way he said it. But, you know, if you think of something um, making the stones lighter, that could be um, a name or a terminology, if you like, for levitation. But Ed, um, his story um, is a fascinating story because, um, you know, he lived in, he came to um, the United States, to, uh, to Florida, created some of these enigmatic stones. Uh, structures himself and um, he was going to get married and his girlfriend dumped him and one of the people actually who was really who's really fascinated by this technology and the whole story um, is Billy Idol um, the, the rock star and he actually wrote um, a book um, um, about um, Ed and um, and so, like, it's like, you know, in a fascinating story, you know, where you've got uh, Billy Idol um, having a fascination with Ed and his life and his story. And the song, the song's called Sweet Sixteen, and uh, it's all about Ed and, um, and how his life was destroyed because of this, um, mis this weird mystery. Yeah, there's a, there was a story that uh, at, at one point... Ed had to move everything from one location to another and was able to do so in just a couple of nights. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, these huge, huge, you know, uh, uh, stones made out of, of, of heavy coral. And uh, nobody saw him do it, yet he managed to do it by himself. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, and again, um, he was very careful so that people didn't see what was going to happen, what was going down. And to be able to do that, I mean, he wasn't like Mr. Universe or something like that. <laughs> you know, he was, you know, he was a, a little guy. And um, so, again, something and again, the important thing is nobody ever saw Ed coming home, you know, with some gigantic technological mechanical machines you know there, there was nothing like that nobody saw and, and again i think that's for some reason i think that's kind of like with everything else i've mentioned earlier that yes there's a technology but it's not a technology we can see and i know that sounds a little bit strange but we're talking about something that is being moved by something that does not require massive metal boxes or whatever, or, you know, gigantic machines. Somehow, um, Ed and other people, probably within um, the pyramids in Egypt, etc., etc., I think somehow somebody picked up on this uh, to something that we haven't. And it is kind of almost like, you know, not seeing the, you know, the trees for the for the forest and so on. But in this case, there's a science to it. Now, the thing that occurs to me here is he spent, according to what it says here, 
28 years to construct all this? Yeah, and I mean, he was devoted to this, or, well, actually, I would say he was obsessed, but his obsession didn't take away the fact that he knew what he was doing. And, I mean, uh, and to be able to achieve these things overnight and not see anybody doing it, I mean, that's <laughs> that, again is sort of something filled with intrigue. And that, you know, the, the 1950s um, was an interesting era, era because, um, you know, sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, when Ed was doing all his work. And then in the 1960s, um, an early UFO researcher, Maurice Jessup, um, he got into this issue in the mid-50s and... Um, and started looking into the issue of anti-gravity and, um, and levitation and acoustic levitation. So, um, you know, it really did actually go from um, ancient times to, you know, sort of latter days, pretty much. Funny you should bring up M.K. Jessup. Oh. <laughs> he obviously was an interesting character because of all the things involving his first book, The Case for the UFO, and how he ended up dying, where was it, in, in Miami, in his car, where he kind of used carbon monoxide poisoning to kill himself? Yeah, that's a really weird story. And now, Maurice Jessup was someone who was one of the early um, UFO researchers in the 1950s. And like a lot of people, he got in the scene very early. You know, there was people like, um, well, Jessup himself, uh, Donald Kehoe, you know, people like that. And, uh, and even some of the dubious ones like George Adamski and George Van Tassel and all the other Georges as well, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, in the 1950s, there was a huge UFO phenomenon, if you like. But Jessup was someone who was, in one, one respect, he was kind of like um, an Indiana Jones-type character. I don't think the ladies would put him in that category, but um, for what he did, <laughs> he spent a lot of time going back to um, Central America and South America and basically go looking around for sort of, um, you know, missing and ancient cities, you know, ju old jungle cities, things like that. And, um, and he really did travel around, you know, in ancient places, ancient structures and so on. One of his things that he really brought him in, Jessup, was the fact that um, he loved um, the idea that UFOs were flying by anti-gravity. Hmm, I remember this well. One of the first books that I read on UFOs back in the 1950s was, of course, The Case for the UFO by Jessup. There was also a sequel volume, the last one he wrote, I think, The Expanding Case for the UFO. And I remember buying that at the closeout counters at a store in New York, Samuel Weiser, for $1 the copy. That's how I got most of my library on UFOs, by the way, buying those $1 closeouts. That way I could actually afford at a teenager's salary to acquire all those books. M.K. Jessup with Nick, Gene, and Tim. You're in the power.
Paracast, the Paracast, it's the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com first we decide where we want to go then we need to know the best way to get there hi my name's adam barada i'm the owner of advantage gold we're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country we teach people how to own physical gold and silver now we've won the best of TrustLink award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Americans have the most colorful language in the world. And that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways, new ways, efficient ways, and better ways. Americans have freedom of speech. The pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today. Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? Please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm Vincent Finelli. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special 
DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Nick Redfern is here, and he is up to his old tricks, which are something. M.K. Jessup. Now, all the stuff around him, in addition to his death, are interesting. We can get into that in a moment. But I remember years ago when the late Ivan T. Sanderson, who said he was a friend of Jessup's, would question whether his death was a simple suicide. I mean, there apparently were logical reasons why he might want to off himself, like he wasn't making a lot of money, his books weren't doing well after the first one, things like that. But have you looked into the claims that there was something more to his death? Well, yeah, I mean, a number of people have. Jessup himself, if you look at the last stages of his life, he had a lot of problems. We, now, we know for some degree, at least, he had problems with his wife. And there was a one really strange thing where he was driving um, home one day and he felt this feeling that he had to just, you know, turn the wheel off the highway onto another highway, almost as if, you know, there was sort of like a hypnosis, that kind of situation. When Jessup killed himself, he was in his car, and people have said, well, you know, was it a suicide, or did it look like a suicide? Now, there's a lot of reasons as to why it might not have been him who was the, the person who took his life. For example... One of the car windows had towels pushed in just so they could get um, like a, a pipe inside and he would be killed, uh, carbon monoxide. So what happened was that around about 5 p.m. at uh, one particular park in Florida, his body was found sitting in his car, had these towels, but his wife was adamant that the towels that were used in the in the area were not were hers. She'd never seen the the towels before, which is kind of intriguing. But not just that, police actually asked in the uh, in the area, basically saying, you know, did you sell some towels to this man in the last week or so? And they all said, no, don't remember him. So that in itself is kind of an intriguing thing. But even more is the fact that the night before his death, he spoke with one of his um, best friends, Manson Valentine, who was kind of like a Charles Belitz type character going out and, you know, investigating um, ocean mysteries and things like that. And that night before, um, Valentine said that, um, that Jessup was in great 
situation, you know, he was laughing and they were chatting and they were going to meet for dinner the next day. And then the next day he's found dead. So there are reasons, you know, legitimate reasons to wonder and think as to why and how, you know, his death came to an end. And of course, the things around Jessup, especially that first book, were interesting because we had this strange character, Carl Allen, who was responsible allegedly for these annotations on a copy of the book that were later reprinted by the government. Yeah, and that ties in with the Philadelphia experiment as well, these alleged invisible um, warship, supposedly, that uh, in 1943 allegedly uh, led to the the death of a number of um, U.S. Navy personnel in the Philadelphia Naval Yard who were sort of um, ex- uh, working in this experiment to make a ship uh, invisible. And so, you know, we've got this all tied together. We've got Jessup's death. We've got the Philadelphia experiment. Um, We've got um, Jessup's research in the UFO subject and also all his uh, his, um, treks to um, South America, Central America, all over the place. And that's when the the U.S. Navy dropped in and said, hey, you know, we've been seeing, um, you know, a lot of your work and reading your books. And how did you turn, how did you find this story about this invisible ship? That's literally what they did. The the Navy came in to came to uh, Jessup and said, um, we'd like to speak to you about all of this uh, because we want to know how you know. That's basically what it came to. And when the Navy said they wanted to um, to speak with him, Jessup freaked out. He absolutely freaked out that, um, you know, U- U.S. Navy intelligence people um I said, you know, can we fly you out? And he was taken to the East Coast, and um, they talked with him for ages all about those strange um, writings, um, Philadelphia experiment, um, his books, his ancient mystery interests, and, of course, um, the issue of um, levitation. Um, that was one of his big things, and uh, and again, it culminated into his death. And so you can put that in any um, direction, really. But you know, we can debate it forever. But um, but it, it is a weird story, you know. Of course, they made a movie of it. Of course, Charles Burlitz and William Moore had a book on the subject. Of course, I was one of the sources of information for Burlitt's book, which got me free lunches, a free tour of his strange house in Glen Cove, New York. His study was a reconverted ship's cabin. Charles Burlitt's. I didn't know you'd done uh, some work on that. I'm acknowledged in the credits for that book but mostly it was because i did a cable tv show with him and he was saying he was trying to locate a copy of the annotated book and i had the one that gray barker had printed and i said well i've got that book would you like it and he said yes 
And then we went to lunch, and then I had several lunches with him where he picked my brain. And I was that the did, uh, was it the Vero one? The, the Vero book, yeah. Vero, yeah, Vero. Yeah, the Vero book, which was kind of like a mimeograph version of the book with a spiral binding, I believe. And I gave him what information I had, which wasn't a lot. And I guess he put some of that in the book. It was a pretty decent book if you want something that would be a good pot boiler of a story. He wrote also the Bermuda Triangle. That was a book that really sold very well. And of course, Berlitz and Moore wrote the book on Roswell. They wrote the book on Roswell. So where everything started with Roswell years after the original event, and even though Stan Friedman allegedly was the first person to talk to people about it, that went on to this book from Burlitz and Moore, in which Friedman gets little more than a small credit for his help. Well, there's also uh, Bruce Cathy, who was a New Zealand uh, pilot, and uh, he came to uh, become intrigued by the UFO subject in the 1950s, and he came to believe there was some something akin to acoustic levitation. He felt that there was sort of like a magnetic, um, almost like a rail system, you know, like the New York, um, you know, rail system, that kind of thing, uh, but invisible and, and ancient. And um, and he, and Kathy had a lot of uh, debate and um, chatting with the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency in their intelligence offices, and um, those documents now, um, Kathy, are now released under the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. And in one part of it, talks about how Kathy told the U.S. that. Um, that he was being followed, and he didn't know who, who by, but uh, he said somebody was following him, and um, so that's another part of the uh, of the story. So many permutations, and of course, Jessup was also interested in ancient technology involved in the building of those artifacts. Well, Jessup mixed with a lot of you know controversial people, like for example. Um, uh, Albert Bender, um, and you know people who the the really sort of early parts of ufology, and um, people like Bender who was sort of he was sort of partial to the UFO side being extraterrestrial, but on the other side, you know he was heavily into the uh, the world of the paranormal and the occult and. Um, you know, he's into a lot of the, the supernatural side. Let us break it here with Nick, Gene, and Tim. You're in. Flipericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers. Simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Albert K. Bender and the Men in Black and all that stuff. I met Bender in the early 60s when he was touring for this book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, which I think was heavily edited and possibly heavily written by Gray Barker, where the men in black were really extraterrestrials from a planet called Kayak. Oh, yeah. I thought of chaos rather than Kayak, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Do you have any particular opinion about Bender Bender. and the early, early iterations of men in black? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I've sort of looked deeply as well into, you know, the whole story of Bender. I mean, Bender was a really weird guy, you know. I mean, he he lived in his dad's house and um, lived in his attic. The place was kind of like um, Norman Bates' house in Psycho. And uh, Bender himself, you know, he was someone who... You know, no no girlfriend, no wife. Well, there was eventually. <laughs> but in saying that, he was heavily into the occult, supernatural, uh, paranormal. And he's, one of the things he was really into was alchemy. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people in ufology don't get into, but Bender uh, was. And, of course, he became friends with Barker, Gray Barker, who was, you know, someone who had sort of a flavor for kind of almost like a gonzo writing, you know, there'd be something that's partially true, but he, you could never be sure with some of his stories if to, you know, was he really telling the story or was it, you know, exaggerated, that kind of thing. But, I mean, like a lot of people, you know, he eventually, he kind of cracked up and left, and that's when when he did get married and 
and he was finished. He was pretty much, I would say, not finished, but pretty much finished about the MIB phenomenon. Whichever way you look at it, the fact is that Albert Bender really did start the the Men in Black mystery, and um, he claimed that um, he'd been visited by these men in black. Now, whether you ask Bender or you ask Gray Barker, who wrote a book um, all about Bender's experiences, part of the story says that um, they were sort of like government agents. But for Bender, they had these sort of shining eyes and they looked kind of like something out of a Hammer Horror movie, you know, like these pale ghouls. So we can never really be sure. Uh, and even to this day, you know, people talk about there being two different types of men in black, government types who still wear the fedoras, um, but the others are these sort of Dracula-type ones. Um, so I think I still think to this day that there's uh, much more to the Bender story that, uh, that we don't know. Well, the raw question one would ask, uh, after reading Flying Saucers and the Three Men, was he really telling the truth <laughs> about what he felt were well, extraterrestrials, or was that just an answer to all the people who had been clamoring, yeah. clamoring for all the years? Tell us, tell us, tell us, and it really wasn't meant to be something totally factual. Well, here's the way I look at it. Um, I don't think Bender was a liar, but like a lot of the sort of the contactees, you know, who people like Truman Bethurum and people like that and uh, Orfeo Angelucci, they came up with these wild stories, which I think they 100% did believe themselves. And, and this kind of, you know, this issue, if you like, or this phenomenon took over his mind, if you like, almost, I think. And um, so I don't think we can call them liars, but I think they were more along the lines of created these imageries and these experiences in a, in a fashion that he actually felt it really happened, you know, almost like, you know, like the, the shame and going out into the desert and you know, sort of um, dealing with the gods and so on. You know, were the gods really there at all in the first place? You know, that kind of thing. Sounds like hallucinations, sounds like drug-inspired experiences, but certainly they wouldn't say they took those drugs. I was thinking when you were talking about the early contactees of George Van Tassel and this crazy device, which is still around, by the way, years after Van Tassel died, called the Integratron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there several times today. And the reason I mentioned that, by the way, is last week we had a guy on the show named Craig Campobasso, who's a casting director and filmmaker, and he wrote a book about the UFO Hotspots Compendium, various sites around the country you could visit, which had real or imagined UFO sightings, and he went to visit the Integratron. So you said you visited it, but give us first, before we get into that, your basic summary of what it was meant to be. 
Yeah, I've been there about three or four times now, and um, and I think the first time I went there was with Greg, with Greg Bishop, but um, I think that would have been about 20 years ago, first time I went there. But uh, the Integratron, it's a fascinating building, regardless of what you think about um, what Van Tassel said. For example, I mean, there's hardly any nails, um, bolts, or anything like that. You know those sort of, like those Russian dolls where everything pushes into pieces? That's how Van Tassel did that. You know, he was, he was a really, you know, clever guy. But he was also not just into into ufology, but he's also into politics. And that's why in the 1950s, early 1950s, the FBI actually opened a file on Van Tassel. And if you go to the, the FBI's website, which is called The Vault, uh, just, it just um, click on vault.gov and then look on the, on the names and uh, just type in Van Tassel, you'll see that Van Tassel's FBI file is just over 300 pages long. Now, if you read the file, it's not because, Van Ta not because the FBI is worried about aliens and UFOs. They were worried about the, the politics and the, the sort of the, the current in the world at the time, you know. And that was the same with the... Um, George Adamski, his FBI file is more than 300 pages, but that's because in several of his lectures, um, Adamski said that, um, that communism was the future. And that's the reason why Adamski had such a huge file on him, because um, J. Edgar Hoover was worried that so many people would gravitate to ufology but in the promotion of doing that, they would be sort of um, pulled into communism as well as ufology. Okay, so this was part of the communist McCarthy paranoia of the 1950s about communists. And I guess you could say maybe E.T. was a communist because he wanted everyone to be together. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, but this, if you look at all the various different um, files of the contactees and people uh, like Bender. There's the um, the um, Albert Bender FBI file is about 40 pages, and and it's all politics for the most part, you know, and things like that. There's, there's very little about the file of Bender or Van Tassel or Bethurum. That you know, there's files on them all. But there's not much about UFOs. It's all about um, the, the world today and the world then, communism, things like that. Yes, indeed. The 1950s, those were indeed strange times. And as you can see, for a number of reasons. Let's do our break here with Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracat. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're talking now from ancient structures and advanced technologies to the contactees. And, of course, the Integratron, which had an interesting structure. But the Integratron, by the way, was never finished, as I understand it. And originally they claimed that you could basically go in there and be rejuvenated, become young again. And then later on, when it was never really finished, it was changed to, well, you go in there and you feel better about yourself. If you believe it would work. Yeah, well, that's kind of one of the ironies because, you know, that uh, Van Tassel was finding ways to sort of, you know, enhance the uh, the lifespan and so on. And he died slightly younger than you would have expected. So that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things. But, you know, you know, a lot of these people, you know, had connections one place or another, kind of like ufology today. You know, you bunch into the... You know, into this person and that person, and um, and they kind of all got together. But but yeah, I, just about every contactee that was known of back in the fifties had an FBI file. Truman Bethram, Van Tassel, George Hunt Williamson, all of them. So yeah, it was a fascinating era, and just in the same with. Going back to Jessup with the Navy, you know, we don't really know why um, the Navy really wanted to know what Jessup was up to. You know, there were so many threads here and there, the Philadelphia experiment, invisibility, warships vanishing, all his treks to South America and so on. And of course, anti-gravity, levitation. And again, there's got to be a reason beyond that um you know they wouldn't have just you know taken all this time to speak uh with jessup about all this so something happened and then just not that long afterwards something else happened namely an alleged um suicide i just wonder if part of it is just paranoia we were so paranoid about the cold war and communism in those days that anything that was a little bit eccentric like ufo people they'd be looked at (laughs) in ways that were more extreme well i mean you know i mean some people in ufology um you know it's there actually sometimes are reasons to be a little bit you know sort of paranoid and that kind of thing and um for the most part it's because you know, for reasons that aren't that that deep, you know. But, I mean, you know, when you find out that a lot of people did have files, I mean, and I don't just mean the contactees, I mean, um, you know, I mean, there's one on Stan uh, Friedman. Ironically, that's absolutely boring. <laughs> there's nothing. It's just, I mean, talk about yawn, you know. And, and other ones, you know, but, but, you know, when you get visits, um, I mean, I mean, I got visited um, way back in the 1990s. I got a visit from um, a UK 
arm of the British police force called um, Special Branch because I was looking into a place called Royal Air Force Rudlow Manor which some people were saying was like some sort of underground Hangar 18 type place. But it wasn't. It was just uh, a place where uh, some UFO research was legitimately done. Um, but I, I had two um, people from the, from the agency, uh, Special Branch, and said, why are you looking into Special Branch? And their concern, it was obvious, their concern was the kind of things that, you know, people might have a legitimate concern, you know, sort of um, people sort of, um, you know, sort of throwing stones at the at the government, that kind of thing, you know. Um, but, um, but, I mean, I, when I got to speak with them and I said, you know, this is what I do. I, I write books about UFOs, etc., etc. And we ended up having a laugh, you know, and um but um but it could have got a, a different way, you know. But um it just it I guess it really kind of revolves around your levels of, of paranoia. Mine's is you know, fairly low but that doesn't take away the fact that I haven't been visited and interviewed. But it was it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and, uh, but no, I've never had like been slammed against the wall or anything like that, and no one's ever said to me, stay away from this case and don't talk about that. But that's never, ever happened to me, nothing like that. I've wondered about the FBI file, and I must assume there is one, for James W. Mosley? Uh, well, there probably is. I mean, um, so, I mean, there's actually some stuff about um, Mosley um, in several of those articles that Mosley put together, you know, those newsletters that he made himself, like Source of Smear and those kind of ones. I don't think it was so Source of Smear. I think the one that he did way before in the 50s, Saucer News, I think it was, something like well, that. Well, he had Nexus was the original title. It okay. then became Saucer News. He sold it off to Gray Barker in the late 60s because mm-hmm. he was just completely fed up with everything. He wasn't making money that he thought he could make from Saucer News. So he sold it to Barker, and then the magazine was ultimately discontinued. And then he came out with this non-scheduled newsletter, similar to one that he would distribute occasionally for Saucer News subscribers. And each issue, he'd have a different name, Saucer Something. And I know I gave him the lettering to make all these titles. The lettering you see for Saucer Smear, I created that for him. So anyway, he finally decided on calling it Saucer Smear, probably in the late 70s. Now, yeah. the, thing, the reason I asked about Jim and the FBI is his background. He was the son of a very right-wing figure from the U.S. Army, Major General George Van Horn Mosley. For years, people thought that Jim Mosley, being the son of this guy, although they never got along, folks, must be some kind of government agent. Early years, we don't know how serious it was, Jim maintained that UFOs were really secret aircraft from our government. The secret weapons theory was what it was called. And he finally abandoned that 
and had something which he calls four and a half D, multiverse, that kind of thing. And, you know, I guess we could say that Jim took this attitude because he wanted to perpetuate this fake feud with his friend Gray Barker. And to some extent, that was probably true. But he may have also believed it because I remember a meeting that we had in New York State with Dr. Leon Davidson, a noted scientist who did that Air Force Special Report 14 Project Blue Book volume. Let's get to more of this in a moment with Nick and Gene and Tim. You're in The Paracast. are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA Radio News. I'm Tony Marissa reporting. North Korea fired four short-range ballistic missiles into the Western Sea on Saturday, South Korea's military reported. As Seoul and Washington ended a North Korea has launched a series of missiles this week, including a possible failed intercontinental ballistic missile, drawing condemnation from the United States, South Korea, and Japan. Iran acknowledged for the first time on Saturday that it had supplied Moscow with drones, but said they were sent before the war in Ukraine, where Russia has used them to target power stations and civilian infrastructure. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky accused Tehran of lying, saying Kiev's forces were downing at least 10 of the unmanned aerial vehicles every day. Nike suspended its relationship with Kyrie Irving, moving to distance itself from the basketball star after he was suspended by his team for being slow to disavow anti-Semitism. This is USA Radio News. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I got the impression that Jim Mosley was heavily influenced by Dr. D, Leon Davidson, about UFOs being secret weapons. And he said something in this meeting, and I was on the other side of the room, didn't catch it all. And Jim came to the conclusion, well, you're just... You really fooled me there. You led me astray. And after that, Jim began to develop a more wild or liberal interpretation of the UFO phenomenon. That is the truth. Yeah, I mean, you can look at things, you know, from different angles. I mean, all this stuff about who's being watched and, um, you know, files and this and that. And, and you know, I mean, there's, there's some some files really you know are genuinely intriguing like the one on the 1986 space shuttle one uh, where the where, uh, the fbi opened one uh, because this woman who was a remote viewer came out with all these theories as to how and why the space shuttle you know exploded sadly you know it, it blew up because it just blew up you know it was due to the tank we know that but the FBI opened an extensive file on that, on the words, if you like, or the theory of this woman who said she had psychic powers and said who she knew basically did it. You know, the, um, she knew what happened and she knew who did it. And this was a very bizarre story. We were talking uh, earlier about the men in black, and I, I still find it fascinating that you have a story that originated in the 1950s, yet it's still going on today. You know, there are still people reporting and taking pictures, claiming to be harassed for whatever reason by the traditional men in black. Well, does that mean this? You know, there's what you call, you know, the, like the normal men in black and the other ones. I've dug into this quite deeply, really, over the years. And there's no doubt that, in my mind, that there are two types of men in black. Now, some, I'm pretty sure, have gone out in black suits and black fedoras and black suits and white shirt and a little skinny black tie. 
I'm sure they've gone out like that to really sort of, you know, put the heat on somebody who they know because they've, they've done sort of like, um, you know, a rundown on their sort of character. If they realize they can get that person terrified, you know, because they're really kind of, you know, not in a really good position. Well, it makes it very easy to get those people to leave ufology or else, you know. But then there are others. You've got this other type of man in black, which a lot of people have seen and heard, but don't really understand what they are. I mean, they have typically these gaunt um, faces, milk white skin, very often, and with the women in black as well, the men in black and the women in black, they wear these black wigs. Sometimes they have these bulging eyes, and, and according to the witnesses, they don't really look entirely human. Now, does that mean that there are two different types coming from government, or is the one MIB-type government, and is the other one sort of camouflage in itself? you know, buy these fedora hats pulled down and the sunglasses and the wigs and doing so, so that nobody would really see their their genuine appearance. So, uh, so yeah, those, that sort of multiple types of MIB uh, phenomenon, that, that's really weird. Yeah, the ones that are really fascinating are the ones that occur, you know, the the experiences that occur to people who previously had no interest in the UFO uh, phenomena at all, and yet were visited most of the time. It's generally an individual, sometimes a, a pair of people, but there'll be all kinds of unusual circumstances around their encounter the you know like the jenny randall's oz effect and things like that well yeah i mean there's you know there's so many dif different and weird aspects you know in the in all of this it's um and the, and the witnesses you know the most important obviously and i've spoken to so many people you know in the in this angle who've seen the men in black and um and some some who hadn't barely seen anything to do with UFOs until they'd just seen something weird, and then they get the call, you know, on the front door, a slow knock on the door. And again, you know, they just thought it was normal. Oh, yeah, this guy, he just looked like skinny and weird and... But it's, but it's not, you know, you can notch that one up for ufology again, you know, that, um, that they're still running around. So. How many of these do you think are just private folks goofing on people who see UFOs? Oh, we got the men in black. This will be fun. Let's play a hoax. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's done uh, or has been done. I mean, I mean, for example, I mean, one part of the men in black issue, you know, is this this issue of weird phone calls. Well, I mean, some of them, I mean... One of the things we do know is that Mosley was playing tricks on various people, like Gray Barker, and Gray Barker was doing vice versa, and both of them were playing jokes 
on John Keel when we had the Mothman uh, phenomenon in 1966 and 1967 at Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And um, so there's no way that, you know, we, we cannot say, you know, no, this isn't happening, you know, it, it's all real. It wasn't all real. We know for a fact that some of these stories were hoaxed. Um, now, it, we probably would be harder to get, you know, um, a brand new black suit and tie and uh, fedora back then. Um, but in saying that, you know, if you want to spend that amount of money just to uh, to run a you know a plot if you like but um but yeah i mean there's no doubt that um there's definitely been a lot of weird um hoaxes um in ufology and there's some which kind of like um sort of balance between the two you know but um and again, and that's one of the problems when you look into things like the Men in Black, whether the, you know, the the one group and the other one. Um, the problem is we don't really know who's telling the truth and who's not, you know. But but that's always been like that for ufology, you know. <laughs> you know what's really unfortunate here is that. Neither Gray Barker nor John Keel or Albert Bender benefited by the success of the concept of Men in Black, which, is, of course, was the, based on a not very good selling graphic comic book. Well, yeah, I mean, again, that just sort of demonstrates another aspect of ufology, you know, and um, where it takes people and where sometimes and where other times it doesn't take people, you know. <laughs> Right, so we have Lowell Cunningham, who did the graphic comic, benefiting to some unknown extent from the movie being made of his concept. And if you remember the original, the first Men in Black movie and the second, the lead characters, the lead agents, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, they have the names J and K. That's J and K, and the obvious assumption is J and K represented John Keel. But then we have the originators, some of whom, I mean, you know, never had very much money, like John Keel made money from Mothman Prophecies, but he almost died in poverty some years later. We've got Nick and Gene and Tim. You're in. The Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus.
Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 you don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living you're out and about making it happen and sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork you know like bookkeeping and paying your taxes it's easy to get behind on paying your taxes it happens to the best of us and you know what happens next the big bad irs comes knocking on your door and when that happens you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor let them do what they do best deal and negotiate with the irs so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows we are a 100 percent u.s-based company and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-932-5140. 800-932-5140. 800-932-5140. That's 800-932-5140. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We've got Nick Redfern and his book, which we've discussed extensively, is how anti-gravity built their pyramids. He'll also be hanging with us for the After the Paracast Premium Podcast. For subscribers to the Paracast Plus, go to theparacast.plus. For more info, Tim Swartz is our co-host. So, Nick, of course, we were talking about perpetrating hoaxes 
and that some of the Men in Black stories might be that, John Keel suggested the Men in Black were strange beings, not human. Well, one sight happens all the time, but I mean, for one example, not long, just barely maybe a year after the Rendlesham Forest event occurred in 1980, um, somebody got hold of a British Ministry of Defence document with all the headline and everything. I don't know where they got it from, but they managed to get one of these uh, one-page documents and doctored it and inserted a, a piece of material which talked all about the case and what had happened and that there was some, like a communication between the British military and aliens and so on. And, of course, you've got that very controversial document that I've used in one of my books about Marilyn Monroe, the Marilyn Monroe UFO document, which has been sort of um, spinning around for ages, which is a fascinating story because it actually, if you really look at it deeply, it doesn't come out like, like a hoax. But it might be, it might not be, but it's, it is a fascinating story. But is that, that is one of the problems, is that so many people over the years, you know, have gone out and got an old type of typewriter and put out a really well done hoax. But of course, you know, I mean, the person who does that is really being reckless. Well, one thing, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But on the other side, if you do that, no one's going to listen to you anymore. So um, it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> then again, of course, we have Jim Mosley and Gray Barker after having imbibed lots of liquids. <laughs> oh, well. Using stationery yeah. that came from a relative of somebody in the government, official government stationery to create a bunch of letters, including the Straith letter. Speaking of FBI, yeah. the FBI allegedly, purportedly went to visit Barker, who allegedly then took his typewriter and <laughs> dismantled it and buried it. Speaking of Rendlesham, I have a book here from George Wingfield. Don't know if you know who he is. He's an author and he's been a guest on the Paracast before. It's called The Rendlesham Forest UFO Mystery and Project Honey Badger. Yeah, I know who he is, yeah. And it purportedly attempts to explain Rendlesham in a very conventional way. We are going to try to have him on the show in the next couple of months. Also coming up real soon on the show, we've got James Fox, who is director-producer of Moment of Contact, about that very famous Brazilian case from the 1990s. So that's going to be really, really interesting. We're talking to Nick Redfern. The book is How Anti-Gravity Built the Pyramids. But, of course, we have taken sojourns into all sorts of legends and mysteries, including the men in black, the monitoring of the early contactees. I have a question about that, going back to the early contactees. George Adamski, for example, was really clearly well exposed as a faker. At least that his contact claims were fake, not that maybe he had something happen to him that he couched in those terms. But... To this day, there are still people who swear by Adamski, not Adam. And this is many, many years after he died. What do you think causes that, Nick? What makes some people to, to come back later on, you mean, with the stories? People still believe Adamski. Last week, our oh. guests believed Van Tassel. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt that Adamski had a lot of sway 
on a lot of people, um, particularly from the 50s and 60s. However, I mean, even to this day, there are people who believe in George Adamski and pretty much everything that he ever said, did, photographed, really did not stand up. And if you look from page one till page 300 of his FBI file, read that. I mean, that's like, oh my God. <laughs> it really is a sort of, um, you know, a huge pile of material that puts him in a terrible, terrible position. He's probably happy that he died before the Freedom of Information Act came into place. Otherwise, he would have been kicked out, and rightly as well. He died in 1965, by the way. So he was, I think, in his 70s because he became famous rather late in life. But there you go about that. People still believe it. People still believe the MJ-12 documents. About that's a, that's a classic <laughs> example. I mean, I mean, Stan Friedman... I mean, Stan genuinely bought into the MJ-12 documents. He was not hoaxing or trying to get something out of it, that kind, I don't think at all. But I think uh, Stan was one of those who really did believe the MJ-12 documents were the real deal. I thought it was intriguing when they first surfaced in 1987, but beyond that... All you've got to do is get a bit of sheet of paper, get an old typewriter, and go to work. And consider also this, one of the problems with the MJ-12, other than being fake, is that the date formatting was evidently yeah. not proper, and that's something that one of our other co-hosts, Bob Zanotti, who's our staff announcer, had mentioned. He wrote about this way back when, during the days of Saucer Smear and Jim's publication. Unfortunately, I never read it. But Bob has talked to me about it. But that's something that you think if anyone wanted to make a document that mirrored a genuine government document, one that would pass muster, <laughs> you'd at least get the date format correctly. Or maybe things like that and one other aspect, including Donald Menzel, the late Harvard astronomer who was a big UFO skeptic, including him in the list of members, was an inside joke. And that's why you made it obvious it was a fake. But, I mean, it's like um, with Truman Betherum and his beautiful alien Aura Reigns. Remember that one? Well, if you, if you read all of the um, Betherum literature... Bethlehem really did believe what he was saying, but now whether he was in a, some kind of a trance, I don't know, but he really did believe he saw Aura Reigns. And wasn't she named in his divorce? Nick, where can okay. we find more of your stuff? My blog is World of Whatever. Just type in Nick Redfern, World of what, Whatever. Or uh, just find me on Facebook. Um, I'm right at the top somewhere. And um, always happy to speak with people if they want to share any information, questions. Yep, just come to me. Yep. 
You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Don't know whether the new owner, Elon Musk, is going to do anything to mess us up, but that's another story. We're on Facebook where they've already messed us up by not letting us put our URL, theparacast.com, on Facebook. Same thing true for Tim's ConspiracyJournal.com. So we won't mention them anymore. You can buy branded merchandise for Paracast listeners at theparacast.shop. That's theparacast.shop. We also offer the Paracast Plus. Go to theparacast.plus for a quick sign-up. We give you the After the Paracast podcast with special interviews uncensored, and Nick will be back for that one, by the way. We offer also this show free of the network ads. Better quality audio. Can't miss the Paracast.plus. And if you use the coupon code UFO20, that's UFO20, you get 20% off on five-year and lifetime subscriptions. We've been doing the Paracast Plus now for, I don't know, about eight years. And it just continues to grow strong. The Paracast.plus. Nick Redfern, always fun. Thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Oh, well, thanks for having me on again. It's been a while, and uh, we haven't sort of uh, touched on a few things, which is still running around, like the Marilyn Monroe book. That's a strange one. That's a genuinely odd one. When I went looking for that, I thought I was going to go into it as just a complete hoax and nothing else. But there is some really strange data in there, which um, really gives it some uh, an area of thought. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.